Welcome back to episode 151 of the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat everything Marvel and more. Today we are coming to you from the set of Marvel's The Defenders. We chatted to Kristen Ritter and Mike Coulter about the gang all getting together and then went behind the scenes with the hair and makeup departments, stunts, and set designs. Now, on to the podcast. Oh, this is for the Women of Marvel podcast. Hello. Hello. Women of Marvel. Women of Marvel. Women of Marvel. Yes. Marvel. <laughs> Welcome, Mike. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Mike Coulter playing Luke Cage. <laughs> cool. So, I'm going to bring you some tunes for the night. No. If only, if only it was a podcast hour, that'd be pretty amazing, I know, be great. actually. So, hello, guys. Welcome to the Women of Marvel. I'm really excited because I have, for the first time on the podcast, I have Mike Coulter and Christian Ritter. Thank hello. you for having us. Hello. So, we're on the Seven <laughs> Defenders. You guys are about to wrap. I'm excited. Are you guys excited? How are you feeling? I feel really good. We're having so much fun. Um, this has been a really fun job. Uh, yeah. And I'll be sad to see these boys go. I know, not it's weird. see them every day. It feels like it, it was really, really fast. I mean, it's only eight episodes, and it feels like, you know, because we divvied up the work, you know, it wasn't so hard on everybody, and we kind of got a chance to kind of relax, have a couple breaks in between, and it's been really cool. Intense at times, but cool as, as well. Yeah, we still, we still we go hard. Yeah, we, we go, go hard. ham, as the kids say. Yeah, we slap on the ham. <laughs> Not to be confused with slapping the ham, but it, but in general, there's a really cool, um, like just great spirit on set. I think also because this crew has worked on all shows. They started with Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, now going straight into Defenders. So everyone is just feeling this like big celebration. They have all four <laughs> Defenders in one place. We feel it, and it's it's been it's been cool. I hope that translates to the screen. Yeah. I mean, from what I remember when you guys were announced. Also, with Sigourney Weaver coming out at mm-hmm. Comic Con, what what a room to be in! Yeah, you guys to come out standing standing ovation for like five minutes. Felt like Beatlemania, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty insane. We actually um we've been feeling that a bit on the streets a little bit. Yeah, and we went yeah. out to dinner the other night and. People, when they realize they're seeing all four of us, so we walk out of a restaurant and they see Mike and, oh my God, Luke Cage. Then they see me, they're like, holy shit, Jessica Jones. And then they see Daredevil, the guy just smacked his head. Yeah. Like his mind was blown. His his mouth was open like one of those bitmojis where you're like pulling down your face like a Macaulay Culkin thing. (laughs) He was like looking like, oh my God. And it it was, you know, it's it's cool to have that kind of effect on people. Yeah. Well, and Kristen, I'm I'm really excited to have you on the podcast because Jessica Jones was such an emotional and important series for Marvel to have. Now there's this prominent woman who is, is, is for the little guys and the big guys working and dealing with their own issues. And there were so many fans out there who really, you know, like... Who connect that. to that material, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, how, how, like, what does that feel like for you to be able to, to do such a role? It feels amazing. You know, as an actress, it's everything in one role that I've always wished to do. And the fact that we get to be a part of a social commentary and bigger issues... Um, it, it, it's so timely. Uh, it's just like kind of hitting the jackpot. You know what I mean? Everything lining up at once. And I feel like Jessica Jones is more relevant now than it ever could have been. So timing-wise, we got we got real lucky, and we have um, an amazing writer who has so much integrity when it comes to 
authentic women's stories, um, women's issues, and she puts she slides them in there in a in a way. She's got a very deft hand. She doesn't knock you in the head with it. But I feel like that is why so many women, myself included, who, that connect with the material in that way. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I also think Luke Cage is is an important moment in time. I mean, both of your series. Yeah. These series coming together, you know, I think that dealing with major cultural issues, both shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oddly, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think um, either of the shows thought that that would they would be so culturally relevant and you know be a part of the zeitgeist and kind of like you know speak to such on a pop culture level of like oh you know not only are you a superhero but you kind of stand for something that's more important. Um, so it kind of I mean, catches everybody off guard and you know it's it's nice to have that platform to to do more things so hopefully the second seasons for both of us will be tremendous yeah I know we're definitely really excited well thank you so much for joining us so we are looking forward to seeing Marvel's The Defenders on Netflix we'll tune in to see you guys later oh awesome. let me know when this is out because I'll post it for oh. myself and for Mike well, because yeah. your, I run your, Mike's what's your, social media oh, really what's your social it's media is for the fans well, my home. social media is on well which one Twitter let's do Twitter it's Kristen Ritter and Mike's is also Kristen Ritter. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> if you want to find out about me, go through her and maybe she'll you know, reach out to me. Yeah. yeah. So if you have any questions. I post on his behalf sometimes. <laughs> well, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thank you for having me. Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast. This is Judy. I'm uh, on the set for Defenders, and I'm really excited because I'm talking to some people from behind the scenes that are key to making our actors look fabulous. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? My name is Sari Klein. I'm the makeup department head of Defenders. And Pamela May, hair department head for Defenders. So is this your first Netflix show, or you guys worked on a bunch of shows before? Well, Pamela and I have been collaborating on these shows and these Marvel shows since Daredevil. So this is our fifth show, actually, in a row. With about a two-week break in between each one, (laughs) we did Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and now Defenders which is the fifth biggest show with all of them together. <laughs> well, and maybe that makes it easier for you guys because each show you'd had to come up with brand new sort of styles. Each one of them has a different palette, a different color, a different feel, and a different person completely, and then bringing them all together. But, like, what's your process for every time you're like, okay, I'm going to change gears from, you know, creating Matt Murdock's character to creating Jessica Jones' character? Well, I guess it starts with collaborating with a showrunner. Each show has its own showrunner, and... Collaboration actually with a showrunner, Marvel, Netflix, and the department heads. So we actually start prepping the next show while we're on the previous show. So, for instance, Jessica Jones, we started, I think, prepping about a month before. Yep. <clears throat> Luke Cage, we started prepping two months before two because months. we, I don't know, whoever watched Luke Cage, he had a big episode with beards, yeah. wigs, so that was a lot going on. So I can just speak from my point of view. The process starts with um, obviously reading the scripts, um, reading a little bit of the comics, talking to the showrunners, seeing um, what their vision of the characters, the color palette, obviously, and then talking to the costume designer as well, seeing what the wardrobe is going to be for each, you know, characters are so different in each show and within the show itself. So once we get that down, then we have a hair and makeup test about a week before. Sorry, before that, we have meetings to discuss, you know, various different things. If it's specific to the character, to the theme of the show, we know what changes. And some of the times we don't even know what changes are going to happen <laughs> because, you know, like we get scripts just day. before. Right? <laughs> so, um, so that's pretty much how we start. And then... Um, 
we actually have makeup tests while like a new character is being introduced. So we will have a big discussion about that. Then we'll have hair makeup tests for that, get it approved. Thank goodness, mainly approved. <laughs> you know, we obviously follow notes and things, but then we shoot that. And what's nice about this is that so much prep goes into this so that the shooting is actually the easy part. Because I always have three scripts in my head. The first day we start shooting, let's say, episode two, I have episode two in my head. I have the prep for three. And sometimes we have to reshoot or do things for one. So it's constantly you have to have great teams around you and know how to delegate. And continuity is key. So there's just a lot going on. I think we nailed it down. This is our fifth show. And it's a huge show with all the characters. But we have strong teams around us. And, you know... It's fun, and we've been working together for so many years, and the fifth show together. Yeah, so, I mean, I will say I one, love of the, it. one of the most amazing things about the Netflix series, like all Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, is all these—they're superheroes, but they're street-level superheroes. So you're not right. like <clears throat> full-on mask or makeup or things like that. It's all about subtlety, and like, mm-hmm. how do you make it seem like if it's a wig? How do you make it seem? normal or like have these additions of these pieces yeah well I know when I'm prepping I never go into reference material I know a lot of people ask me oh did you look at the comics did you read the comics um I knew nothing when I came into Daredevil literally knew nothing and um so I just take script notes based on their behaviors, and then I build the hair around that. So really, it is part of a character. So for instance, Luke Cage in episode four, when he's in jail, it's all flashbacks, and he's wearing four different wigs with five different looks. And so when you see him as the police officer, his hair is very groomed, it's very neat. Of course, it's period, so it's a little fuller afro. And then as he's in prison, he becomes more unhinged, his hair becomes more more animalistic. When he becomes a fighter, now it's more controlled and it's in braids, the cornrows. Um, And then, of course, then he shaves off his hair. Um, Jessica, you know, she's street level, thug, drunk, (laughs) (laughs) off the rails. (laughs) She, but a really good soul, good person. Um, Her hair should be more free and like she doesn't do it. Like like she would just get up, of course it looks great, but that she would just get up out of bed and her hair is what it is, like bedhead. Um, I specifically always come back to Daredevil because I didn't start Daredevil. I came in on episode five. And so for me, it was almost a redesign of some of the characters. And um, so, like with Foggy, we sort of we, I took him from what he was into more. I always, I told Eldon, I said I based your character off of Nick Cave. Ah. <laughs> and so, when you if you look back at say episode seven, he definitely has that effect in his hair. And um, with Deborah, it was making her more um, like a soft Hollywood, um, something, be- you know what I mean? Like something beautiful and soft, but um, um, I can't think of the word. But nonetheless, so that's what I do when I go through and I just think about the hair and the character, what they would do with their hair. I mean, I will say that all these pieces, both of your jobs, are so important to the character. And it's great when you look on film and you don't necessarily notice them. Because it's all worked seamless. Mm-hmm. Although, as a cosplayer, I assure you, my friends at home are paying attention. 
they're definitely going, what color is that hair? How is that haircut? Do I need to find a wig? I was getting a lot on Instagram, actually, like um, on Luke Cage, specific lipstick, or I was getting really good things about her eyebrows are on fleek for Rosario's character and all these little things, which kind of made my day just to see, oh, I just chose this lipstick and it's made a huge impact on people that want to know what it is. But just to add on what Pamela was saying is that um, one of the things that Melissa Rosenberg, the showrunner of Jessica Jones, said that she wanted invisible makeup. She wanted mm-hmm. less is more, especially for the color palette, for you know Jessica Jones' characteristics. and um, So that was interesting to work with that and... Um, you know, less is more. And invisible makeup, you do need makeup to make it look invisible. So it's a fine line of what, you know, you're shooting in HD and, you know, daylight. It's a fine line about what you put on to make it look like she just woke up. She doesn't have that many, you know, under eye dark circles, but she does. So it's kind of like, you know, like with hairdressing. Figure it out. Yeah, like with hairdressing, you don't know that how many curling irons I've used to create that bedhead look. <laughs> it's more than just. Yeah. It's like a forty-five minute. I just woke up like this. Yeah. <laughs> right. If only if people at home were trying right. that, it's they not knew. Work. <laughs> do you, Do you ever like work with the the cast themselves, like to talk about like the hairstyles or the makeup, or, like what they're feeling? Definitely. Yes. We, you know, everybody has their input, and we have our input, and um, it's all teamwork. Because they'll give their thoughts or two cents. We will, then we'll bring it up to Marvel, Netflix, even though maybe they have an idea. But the actor says, oh, maybe we can do it this way. So we'll just bring it up and go through the approval process and it works out. Yeah. Do you guys have a favorite look? Not necessarily, I don't want to spoil anything for Defenders, but Mm -hmm. previously from the many series you've worked on. I know I put you on the spot. Favorite look of someone that we've created? Yeah. Um, I love Kilgrave. <laughs> oh. I loved doing his hair. I loved creating that that look, and then as you see him in flashbacks, uh, where he's come undone a little bit, and then you see him really breaking down through the end of Jessica Jones. I loved just doing that to his hair because it was so impactful to what his character was going through, and I think it played really well. I think one of my favorites is actually Madame Gao. Oh, oh, yeah. Because she does not look like that when she walks into the trailer in the morning. <laughs> oh. We age her. Yeah. She's in one hour, two person, non prosthetic right. aging process. Wow. That's prosthetic. Yes. Yep. Oh. Including, and, and the hair. wig. Her I hair mean, is only she's two inches my long. Mm-hmm. So she looks very different. We paint her, yeah. we age her hands, arms, neck, face paint, age spots, everything. So it's, I think it's one of my favorite characters ever done. Wow. Just to see the transformation of before to after. Right. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have a friend who's a special effects makeup artist in, in L.A., and mm-hmm. some of the stuff that she does is, is out of this world. Like, you taking just, like, simple prosthetics, I'm always amazed by because, like, it just looks, she makes it look so easy, and people look so different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty It's amazing. fun. One person stipples, the other person stretches the face to many so it's about an hour yeah wow yeah. she's a trooper and she loves it she actually she, she's been doing it for so many shows with us so she t- sometimes reminds us oh you have to use this on my chin you have to do my brows <laughs> <laughs> so it's like teamwork with her too it's just funny it's such a lovely experience so one final question do you guys have any sort of suggestions for those at home who are interested in getting into the film and tv world um practice yeah, well... And be open mm-hmm. and bring your own suggestions and always have 
ideas and options. Options. Every That's director important. and yeah. producer wants options. They don't want to hear what you, what they think you, wait, how do, how do you say that? Help me out, Melissa, over there. <laughs> don't tell them what you think they want to hear. Give them options. I landed a job with a very well-known actor because I told him to cut off all of his hair, that he always looked the same in every film. And I got a phone call the next day saying that I had the job. Wow. <laughs> So everyone, tell, tell everyone to cut their hair off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, you have to have options and be honest. I mean, I yeah. didn't think I was going to get the job, and I did. <laughs> I think two things to add to that is, one, be yourself. And if you're yourself, then your inner beauty is going to shine through. Second thing is to not take anything for granted and know that every job is an opportunity to learn and to grow. And I've been doing this for almost 20 years, and every single job I learn something. And I'm, you know, I still take, you know, courses. I see celebrity makeup artists or different things that I want to learn. I'll pay and I'll go, you know, educate myself. And I'll, I'll do that for the rest of my career because there's always new techniques. You know, it's, it's ever-changing and new techniques, new products. Just, you know, you always, there's always room to grow. So don't ever think that where you're at is your peak. There's always more. And I think that that makes you evolve as a person, as a makeup artist, your career and cool. Oh, makes you want to excel. That yeah. was both great feedback. I mean, I will say that sometimes the it's the little things that make oh, the yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys have Twitter or social media that people can find you on? Yeah, I'm Circle Makeup on Instagram. Uh, Hairbender two one two on Instagram. <laughs> Go figure, right? Hairbender. Are you an Avatar fan? <laughs> uh, no, and it's funny. I didn't even know about that. And, <laughs> and my license plate is Hairbender, and so I hear about it all the time. I'm like, no, I curl hair. I'm a Hairbender. <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty amazing, though. Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thank Thanks you for having so us. much. We'll check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe. Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer. I am currently on the Netflix set for Marvel's The Defenders, and I have the stunt coordinator from The Defenders, Mr. Matt Mullins. Hello. Hello. How's it going? I'm good. So, you know, you're part of the Marvel family. You moved from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. where you worked with a wide variety of cast, mm-hmm. slightly different than Defenders, but now you're on Defenders. What's that, like, tradition been from, like, a more ABC style movie uh, style TV show to like the Netflix world. Um, the difference is is that doing the the ABC shows, uh, the pace is exactly the same as Netflix. Like the the amount of action and fights that we have to do, it's the same schedule. We're literally making half of a Marvel film every eight days, uh, so that's exactly the same. Uh, the difference is is just being able to work with a different a different level of. Uh, powered heroes. So in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all the uh, in the beginning, the first couple seasons, uh, you know, Chloe Bennett or Sky was just discovering her power. So it was exploring like what she could do. Um, the Defenders were doing similar to that, but everybody's aware of their abilities and uh, we're able to expand on that from, uh, from what we've already seen in, in their own uh, seasons. 
Yeah, like, there's definitely more superpowers Correct. on Netflix, on, on Defenders, than mm-hmm. necessarily on S.H.I.E.L.D., as Inhumans came a little later in time. Right. And is it more fun to play with more of the superpowers? You know what? It's, uh, playing with the superpowers is, is really cool. It's really fun. But it creates interesting challenges because we always had to figure out ways to challenge our heroes. So you got to figure out situations where you know the, uh, their stakes for defending themselves is important. And, you know, this, and it's, it's tricky to figure out, but it gives us great challenges to, uh, you know, come up with solutions. And the solutions are what's fun. Well, especially for Defenders, you've got a wide variety of powers mm-hmm. and types of people. You know, you have Jessica Jones, who's, you know, super powerful, but unable to control her power. Mm-hmm. And then Matt, who does f- like flips and all this stuff. So, you know, how do you sort of build in those interesting characters? Like, how do you make each one of them unique? Um, for each one of the, the action sequences that we've done on the Defenders so far, you know, we've, we've been very fortunate to have really great uh, situations that they have to work their way out of. And uh, there, there's some that there's sheer volume of characters that they have to fight off. Some people that have, uh, you know, different abilities. Them actually working together as a team has made it really interesting as well. Uh, you know, to have we saw a little bit of the the uh, Jessica Luke Cage team up in Jessica Jones, and that was really cool. And now being able to expand with you know Daredevil and Iron Fist working together, Iron Fist and Luke Cage working together, uh, Jessica Jones and and Daredevil also teaming up. That's what's made this you know so exciting to to do. So, can you tease us? Is there going to be a hallway scene? <laughs> Every single fight is a hallway scene. No. Uh, it, I think what we've been able to do, there, there's definitely, uh, there's the hunks of fight. There's so many different, there's so much fighting that it's just, there's so many like really cool moments that you're like, ah, that's that's pretty sweet, like being able to use. It's, it's really, it's actually really hard to tease without giving away too much, but <laughs> there, there's just some really fun moments where you get to, uh, as I said before, seeing everybody, seeing everybody work together and then not work together is, they're very cool parts in the show. Right. Yeah. Sort of taking, like, changing gears a little bit. What made you want to do stunts? Um, I, pro- <laughs> I always really enjoyed martial arts. It might have been, I, I don't know, I, ever since I was a little kid, I loved martial arts. It might have been Van Halen's jump and watching J- David Lee Roth <laughs> do martial art kicks. Could have been Ninja Turtles. Could have been oh. Power Rangers. Like, there's a, a whole bunch of things that uh, made me want to start martial arts. And then when I began, um, this sort of new thing was coming into uh, the martial art community, which was called acrobatic martial arts. And this is when, before, you like in the 90s, martial arts was all just one thing. It was just, it was just fighting. You know, that was it. It was all just fighting. And then it started breaking off into more of a performance style of martial arts to where, you know, you do things that you saw in video games. You're like, oh, okay, well, I saw, you know, Guile throw this thing called a flash kick. Well, can I do that in real life? And we started experimenting, learning other styles, doing gymnastics and acrobatics, and eventually turned into what's called tricking. And, um, you know, so basically it's doing all the stuff that you see, uh, you know, in video games and in TV and film, but with no wires, we started doing it on our own. Uh, and that's how I really got started. And then I started a martial art performance team called Sideswipe, and we did America's Got Talent. Ah. And that's, where, that's how I knew Chris Brewster, who doubles Daredevil. And that's why all of those type of movements are very unique, because we saw like what you know we'd see in, in TV and video games, and we're like, I think we could do that. And we just started practicing it, and that's how we really got going into doing martial arts. Do you have a favorite move? Oh, yeah. My, my favorite move is it's called a, a Misty Flip, which is like Ooh. a... It's, 
it's kind of like where you run and you jump. It's like this side pike move. It, it's 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 the one move that I do very very well. That I've always felt that I could do very well, and I enjoy doing it. And it looks super cool. So. Well, we're gonna have you come and do a, a, a segment for us on Thwip the Big Marvel Show. So we're gonna obviously gonna have to make Lorraine try this move, <laughs> <laughs> or try. You know, we'll see what happens. So, well, one last question: Do you have any advice for anyone out there who wants to be a stunt actor? Yeah, there. Um, there's there's two different versions of doing between stunts and actual martial arts. Martial arts is meant to be a practice. There, there are practical versions of martial arts that you learn. In order for that to translate to TV and film, there's uh, things that you have to practice in order to make it sell for camera angles and hits because the goal in martial arts is to be able to defend yourself. The goal in TV and film is not to hit anybody, really. It's, <laughs> it's supposed to make it look awesome without actually hurting anyone. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a different skill set. The ideas are the same, but you have to be able to stay safe. So as you're practicing, as you're practicing your stunts at home, you know, be, be careful. Don't your, hurt yourself, kids, at or, home. Yeah, or your pets or your dogs or don't break any pencils, kids. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a Twitter or anything people can follow you at? Uh, yes, Sideswipe Matt is my Twitter handle and also my Instagram. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Everyone, check out The Defenders. Woo! Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Siemens, producer. I'm currently on the set for The Defenders, and I'm really excited to introduce someone who I've talked about on the podcast before. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Lauren Weeks. I am the production designer for The Defenders. And not only are you been on The Defenders, you've been on all of the others. So Daredevil, right. Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, right. Iron Fist. First season of each of those. That's a pretty amazing experience. A couple years in the making of, of sort of intricacies of each of these amazing realms and how different each room and space and location is. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I would say that the Harlem's Paradise, from what I've seen so far, is my favorite. Uh, that was my favorite, um, and, and, and it certainly remains uh, one of my favorites, but um, I'm pretty excited about a couple of the sets on Iron Fist. Oh, yeah, oh I've, I've heard that uh, Harold Harold Meacham's apartment. Yeah, we've talked to uh, David Wenham about it, and he was like, "Oh man, I I want to like use this for my apartment. It's great, great set design." So, yeah, he, he said he wanted to take it, dismantle it, and move it out to the country, and <laughs> live in it. so that was a very very lovely compliment. Well, and it's and theirs is so different because, like, obviously on Jessica Jones, she lives in sort of like a a beat down apartment you know she's constantly having to fix her door and Matt is in like Times Square with loud noise and stuff like that and then Iron Fist which we are introduced is this high end like VIP sort of world that right. you don't normally ever get to see right. uh, and like so how is your process of sort of planning out each one of these like, obviously you're pre pre producing as you're on a on a episode, like on a show like what's your process uh you know, I really hate questions like that. <laughs> I, I don't know what my process you is. You just do? I just sort of muddle through it. I, I, um, you, um, you know, I have had... An idea will come to me um, or sort of an, a, a general look uh, sometimes and sometimes not. Sometimes it, it evolves, you know. Um, some of them have been very... Um, uh, Help, some of the shows have been kind of helpful in just in the basic uh, location or material and all. Like Daredevil, you know, we, we all, I think we all loved um, 
the Bendis Malieve series and, you know, that sort of urban grittiness just resonated. Um, Harlem, uh, Luke Cage was set in Harlem, so the neighborhood, the community itself gave a lot of influence to the, to the look of that show. So it's different. It's different every time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I heard that for Iron Fist, you sort of got to go and experience a lot of the secret places in New York to sort of see, like, what that secret life would be. You know, Harold Meacham is a guy who, um, he's a billionaire. Uh, he died, and he was brought back to life. I mean, he's, he's you know, his, his and, he, and he's removed some from society because the world, he was a very public figure, and the world knows he's dead or thinks he's dead. So he lives above New York City, removed from the city, and I felt like his apartment just had to have this, different quality to it, you know, it just needed to be feel removed from the norm. And so one thing that occurred to me is that New York has a lot of these hidden spaces that most people are not aware of. There's a there's a closed up subway station in Brooklyn underneath the Atlantic Avenue. You can only get to it by through, crawling through a manhole cover in the middle of the street. There's um, a, a train station under Waldorf Astoria below the lowest basement that FDR used during World War II. You know, so New York has these kind of hidden gems. And I thought, well, you know, let's put one on top of an Art Deco building, and what, what might that have been? So that was kind of the, uh, the spark for Harold Meacham's apartment. And I feel like all of these, you know, these sets are more than just one or two walls. Some of them are just like Harlan's Paradise, a whole experience. Yes. So you could stay in the middle and sort of see around. And, and, and that's what I think is so amazing about yeah. this, this Marvel series is because you're not, you're not just seeing it, you're experiencing it through the cast interactions with these sets, you know, from like the colors and how they work with the skin tones to, you know, the lights or, and then, and, and at that, that same thing, like how we've always talked about how the, the Marvel TV world is a, is a community, is a family. You guys have worked on all these shows together from the beginning. And so you, you know how to, how to make it a community, how it's, it's, a, everyone works together to get the final product. Right. Right. Yeah. We've become a bit of a family ourselves. It's a lot of the, People who did Daredevil have done every one of these, just like most of my crew. Yeah. So. I mean, I will say that I love sort of the, I, that's what I'm really watching for. I love watching for the little the little things in the background that are really interesting. I, I feel like the first time I ever got, like, got to go to sets, like when we were here uh, doing interviews for Luke Cage, we were on the, on the barbershop set. And I remember uh, walking through the set and just being like, look it. All these little details. Yeah, we, we love to get into the, the details. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, my, my philosophy about the details on a set is that you may not look at that when you're watching it and, and register all these little things, but I think on an unconscious level, the, the mind does. And it will, it helps in that suspension of, of belief so that you're in the show or in the moment. You know, so we try to get a lot of that uh, really nice little detail. Sometimes I know no one's going to notice it but me and my decorator and, you know, maybe the people who, who actually are on the set, and that's okay. People, the, the, the cast responds to it. Yeah. Mahershala Ali gave me, a, you know, a wonderful compliment on Harlem Paradise. He said it's very difficult, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said it's very difficult when um, 
you don't feel that the set or the, the car or the phone or whatever you have is right for that character. He, he said he bumped on it. But he felt like when he walked into Harlem Paradise, he felt like that was his club. So Yeah. And I think that that's so important because it's, you know, for not just for the cast, but for, you know, fans at home. Yeah. It's a world. It's This is their childhood, their dreams oh, yeah. coming true on screen. Yeah. And, and it does. It yeah. does really come true. And it's kind well, of I was, amazing. I, I was, as a kid, I read, you know, Marvel. <laughs> I was a Marvel <laughs> reader, not a DC reader. And uh, Daredevil was one of my favorite characters, you know, so... Um, I have a real love for the subject matter. Well, uh, we are, we're, you're always welcome by the Marvel offices. We'll give you a, a fan tour. I would love a fan tour. I really we can, would. We can hook you up. Don't worry. We can make that happen. <laughs> okay, let's do. So one final question. Sort right. of, do you have any advice for those who want to do what you do? Yeah, I mean, if you really love it, um, if you think you really love it, and you never really know until you start doing it, I guess, um, you have to just... Give it a shot. I mean, you know, it's weird kind of advice, and that sounds really lame. You know, it's not necessarily an easy industry to get into, but kind of once you get into it and you do a really good job, you'll get more work. Um, I, I think very few people come into this as a production designer. I didn't. I start, My first uh, profession was architecture. And when I made a shift, I started back at the very beginning. I was a PA. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I was out getting the, you know, double lattes for the other mm-hmm. people. So, um, you know, it just it takes a little time. But if you if you love, you know, production design is visual storytelling, and that's I think if you, if that appeals to you, study interior design, study architecture, study set design, study film, and then you know you you try to find your way into a production somewhere as a PA doing anything, and then start talking to the people in the art department. Make friends, make connections, and start working your way in. It's a slow process, but it can happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually an important fight. Like, some people think that they're just going to leave college or whatever, and suddenly there's a job. I'm sure it happens with some people. It wasn't my path. It wasn't the path of most of the people I know. Yeah, it's all about hard work and putting the time in. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Paying your dues. Exactly. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining us. Oh, you're we've, we've talked about you on this podcast multiple <laughs> times, so now you're finally on it. Oh, wonderful. I'm happy to be here. Do you have a Twitter? Can anyone follow you on the social media? Yes. At, um, what is my Twitter? At L Weeks Design. Cool. Well, if anyone has any That's questions. L W E E K S Design. Okay, we'll make sure we tag you on the, we'll, we'll tag you on our tweets. Sure. Cool. Stuff like that. And if anyone has questions about production design, you should hit line up. Yep. I'd be happy to to answer questions. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks to all the cast and crew of Marvel's The Defenders for joining us on the podcast. Stream all the episodes now only on Netflix. As always, if you have questions or suggestions, please email us at womanof at marvel.com or tweet at marvel with hashtag womanofmarvel. We'll be back next week. This is Marvel, your universe. Yeah.